0: You're listening to the NASM CPT podcast with Rick Ritchie, winner of the Share Care Emmy Award for Social Storytelling and the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the NASM CPT podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and today I want to talk about when to stop corrective exercise. And here's why. I read a post by a doctor of physical therapy who used to rent space from me at one of my gyms, and it said something to the effect of, the only people that are going to tell you to keep doing corrective exercises are the people that sell the course and the people that took it. And I was like, what is this guy saying? And and I had to sit with it for a moment because I thought that he was um, – I thought that he was given like a big thumbs down to corrective exercise and that made zero sense considering he's a physical therapist and that's the gig. Like that's what physical therapists do are corrective exercises. Um, We do them for a different reason. So they oftentimes do it for... People that are experiencing pain or doing rehabilitation post-surgery, like, yo, we don't do that stuff. Uh, we do it more for people to to really clean up some movement dysfunctions or movement patterns. So for instance, somebody squats and they go into genu valgus uh, or varus, their knees knock in or their knees bow out. And we're looking at that when they squat and we go, oh, that may not be great for the old knees." So what can I do? to help them. Well, when I realized that this person wasn't knocking corrective exercise was when I read it again. And it was this. So follow me. It says the only people that are going to tell you to keep doing corrective exercises, the people that sell the course and the people that took it. All right. Well, um, Let's first of all kind of figure out what NASM says about the matter. First of all, corrective exercise is a three-step pro- three process, not to be confused with the corrective exercise continuum, which is a four-step uh, process that goes along with this. Here is the process for corrective exercise implementation. Ready? One, identify the problem. So let's use this example of knee valgus. Their knees knock when they squat. All right, that's the problem. Number two, suss out a solution for the problem. I got to figure out what's wrong. What is the problem? Number one. Number two, what are some solutions for the problem? And then here's number three. Guess what? You got to implement the solution. So I think if we go through this in that example, if somebody's knees knock when they do squats, and I don't want their knees to knock when they do squats, especially I'm going to be adding weight onto them whilst they are squatting then the knee knock feed out situation is a lot of torquing and twisting at the knee that I don't like. I wanna clean that movement up a little bit, so what are some of the things that I can do? So I'm going to start putting together a solution. I am going to start working on the internal rotators of the tibia at the knee uh, and help to strengthen those uh the knees as they go in means it's adduction so i'm going to look at some abduction exercises to help strengthen the hips uh to externally rotate and to abduct to pull the knees out of the knee knock position and strengthen it i also want to of course inhibit and lengthen the ones that are pulling me into that position so first thing inhibit uh foam roll or uh, some type of implement, whether it's a, a vibration technology or something like that. There's a lot of cool things that help to minimize hyperactivity in those muscles. <clears throat> then we can stretch those muscles out. Sometimes that is going to be, correctively, it will, it will be static stretching to provide length to that short, tight, overactive muscle. Then I want to provide strength. Number three, I want to activate the muscles that are allowing the, the dysfunction to take place. And then four, I want to integrate them together so that they all work together in harmony. Well, that's that's really good. I think that this is a, an excellent way to, to to do this. And then here's the other thing. If you do all this and you implement it and it doesn't work, you got to go back to number two and suss out another solution. <clears throat> you got to do it again. And if it still doesn't work, after several times creating applications, trying to look on how to address this, then then you can perhaps refer them out to the, the guy that said stop doing corrective exercises all the time because I think there are a couple of problems here. If you're doing them all the time and they're not working, they're, the issue is it's either you did an incorrect assessment, you did an incorrect application for corrective exercise, or number three, it is beyond your scope of practice. So either we look at it and the assessment was wrong, the application for a solution is wrong or a solution and its application could be wrong <clears throat> or it's beyond your scope. So if you keep doing it, and what this person basically is, yeah, you keep doing corrective exercise, you don't fix anything. The only people they're gonna have you keep doing it are the ones, and he, uh, it, if it's not working and you just keep doing it and it's still not working, then you gotta refer them out. So why keep doing corrective exercises if you're not accomplishing a goal here? So I get where they're coming from with that. But I think it's even more than that. I think it's more than that because um, there are also people who keep doing corrective exercises when the solution has already been implemented and it worked. And then they just keep doing corrective exercises in perpetuity. And I think that really might be what he's talking about. I will say that this, I agree with him that there's no need to keep doing corrective exercises if it's been addressed. So if it's been taken care of, the only people that are going to tell you to, this is the quote, keep doing corrective exercises. The person that's trying to sell you the course and the people that took it. All right, here's where I disagree with him. We sell the course. (laughs) Not only did we sell the course, I teach the course. And I disagree with you on that because I don't want you to keep doing corrective exercises. NASM doesn't want you to keep doing them. They want them to work so that you don't have to keep doing them so you can move on and do other things. And you know what NASM has done, because we're all about systems, has provided coursework upon coursework that adds to the corrective exercise. So it's not like when corrective exercise is over, we ran out of stuff. We didn't run out of anything. We didn't run out of anything. We are still going to progress beyond corrective exercise. That's where the OPT model comes into place anyway. There's so many progressions that you could go through. So why say that you can keep doing corrective exercises in perpetuity, you don't have to? Well, then what's next? just regular old CPT OPT model. You can do that. You don't have to do corrective exercises all the time. Now, if if you are nonstop implementing corrective exercises for a problem that doesn't even exist. Like you come in and you you see them and they look great in their in their movement and you're like i need i just i do corrective exercise so much that i need <clears throat> i need to correct a problem even though you don't have one <laughs> my question to you is first of all if you're afraid of a movement dif- dysfunction that will occur so you're trying to stop it in advance i'm going to say that's impressive and i want to know how do you know? Teach me. If you know what's going to happen in advance and you're giving them exercises before a problem shows up, how did you know? There are some that believe that any deviation from ideal is also so dangerous that it can cause an explosion in your joints. You just... There's a little bit of knee wiggle, there's a little bit of varus or valgus, and people are oh no, no, no! (laughs) We lost another one. She was strong, but her knees wiggled when she went, descended to her squat and tried to come back out of the squat. Knee wiggle, explosion. You just wrecked that person's life y'all come on man. There's something called a performance bandwidth and a performance bandwidth is when when uh, it falls their their exercise of the task that you give them falls within an a range that is an acceptable performance. And I know some people out there that are like, if this is only move like this, And if you don't move like this, it is wrong and we must stop you. Well, there's really not evidence that supports that, first of all. Secondly, you're like, well, I learned it from you, NASM. (laughs) Uh, You probably did, but you probably didn't. It's probably a misapplication for NASM. So what we will say is we'll give a very specific thing. Like when you do a squat, we'd like for your knees to align with the center of your foot or your second and third toe. Well, that's true because that is giving you a pinpoint of what to look for. Now, if it goes towards your your knees when you squat, they go towards your fourth toe. That's not your second or your third. So knees explode. They start to move in a little bit of valgus, a little bit towards the first toe explosion. Um, I think that that there might have been issues with understanding this idea, this concept of performance bandwidth that if it's not this way, this perfect, this direction at exactly this angle, then this is wrong and that's not true. there's there's nothing. there's no evidence to support that. but what we do is we give this is our goal, this is our ideal, Because if you go too far beyond second and third toe into abduction, that's into varus, which could lead to some issues at the knee. If you go too far into valgus, where the knee knock position, that can be too far. So the second and third toe, the center of the foot, is a good idea for direction. It's not the only way to go so what are we looking for well i usually say if if i'm seeing it i definitely if the knee falls within the center of the foot so it goes past the medial border of your first toe your big toe that's too much i that's that's beyond my performance bandwidth i will not let that fly and so we will then start implementing some corrective exercises sometimes all you have to do though. Is say, hey, your knees are knocking, don't let them knock. That's a cue. Sometimes you just need to cue people. People squat down and then their, their butt comes up a little bit before their torso comes up. Sometimes you just need better cues. You could spend your entire time doing corrective exercises and try to figure out why this is not working. And the reason it's not working is because you didn't tell them. You didn't cue them. You didn't let them see, this is ideal. This is what I'd like to see. This is what you're doing. This is the difference between the two. And all of a sudden, just through cueing, it looks good. So my suggestion is cue it. And if there's no way to cue them out of it, then it may need to be corrected. And then you can start implementing your corrective strategies. All right. Let's go back to the beginning and ask the question that we started with. And the question was, when to stop corrective exercise? And the answer is, when it is no longer needed. It's no longer needed. So if I've got somebody that has started out with valgus and now they are no longer squatting in a valgus position or a knee-knock position you don't need to spend the rest of your years going, I remember when your knees used to knock and so we are still doing these bridge abduction mini loop exercises in perpetuity. Well, then that's when the guy can say the the statement about the only people that are going to tell you to keep doing corrective exercises are the people that sell the course and the people that took the course. And I'm gonna tell you right now, as a representative from the company that sells the course, we don't subscribe to that. Like you can move on beyond corrective exercise. Now it's your turn. Line them up right, get them in better positions and make sure that you feel comfortable and they're falling in your perform- within your performance bandwidth of how to perform an exercise. And then you don't have to do correctives anymore. Then you can just go into their warmups and their workouts. All right. I hope this helps. Like, subscribe, share with your fitness friends and family. Keep inspiring people to get out there and keep moving. Be fitter and uh, inspire them to to want that, to want to do this more, this movement business. Anyway, you want to reach out to me, you can do so. Hit me up on Instagram at dr.rickrichie, or you can email me at rick.richie at (sighs) nasm.org. Thanks for listening, y'all. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.